Come on, if you need a breakthrough, I've been here. Let me hear you make some noise. Habakkuk 2.4 says the just shall live by faith. But how does one do that? Live by faith. Let's find out today on another edition of Faith to Live By with Pastor Larry Millender and Pastor James Salter. Thank you for joining us today. This is Faith to Live By. This is Pastor Larry Mellander. My co-host, Pastor James Salter, is not with me today. He's out of town for an emergency, so uh, we, we miss him today. Used to having him here on the broadcast with us. Last time we were together, we talked about hope. And I had shared something with our listening audience that I had preached a sermon in church recently. I titled it, Your Forgotten Friend. And that friend is simply hope. The word hope is an amazing word. It's a word that I think a lot of times we overlook. And when it comes to having hope in our life, it's so important to us because people lose hope. And when they lose hope, their faith is diminished. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, it states, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We talk about faith. We preach about faith. We hold conferences on faith. Uh, we discuss faith. It's an amazing attribute. The, the Bible is a faith book. It's a faith manual. It teaches us how to live. And the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Paul declared in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that the righteousness of God is revealed to us from faith to faith. Paul also stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he said, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We, having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. Faith is the ability of God in our lives, based on the Word of God, to move mountains, to heal sickness. Faith even raised the dead. We see such extraordinary events in the Gospels, in the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, where Jesus produced some of the most extraordinary uh, miracles that man had ever seen through faith. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. It goes on to talk about, the f- about faith being as a seed. It says, if, if you have faith, You can speak to mountains and they'll be removed. They'll be cast into the sea. It goes on down to verse 24. It says, And what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Faith is the ability to believe to receive. But faith has to have something to make it operate. It has to make it work, to get results, to produce something in your life. And that thing that... I think we overlook so often because it is very small is hope. When a person loses hope, they give up. They throw in the towel. They quit. They don't run the race any longer. They'll abandon dreams. They'll abandon vision. They'll uh, cast away their confidence. They'll give up on their their desires, their longings. The things that, that, that has held them and inspired them, maybe even for years, when they lose hope, they lose out. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when a desire cometh, or when, a, when desire produces, it is a tree of life. You can think as well as I can today about the times in our life where we have believed for something. We've had a desire for something. Uh, and, and it produces faith. But it has to come from hope. 
I Google the word hope is in preparation and study for the sermon that I did at our church. It said uh, in, in, on the Google, it said hope is commonly used to mean to make a wish. Its strength is in the strength of the person's desire. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. There's several types of hope. There's a natural hope, and then I think there's a spiritual hope. There's a hope that comes from the Word of God or from the promises of God. I've never counted all the promises in the Bible. I've heard people say there's over 32,000 promises in the Bible. I don't need 32,000. I just need one or two. And we hold on to those promises. It's kind of like this. We have grandkids. We have 10 grandkids. And I remember our, our oldest one now, who is almost 17, Kyla, when she was little, she would ask for something and we would tell her yes or we'll, we'll do that or later. And she would say, but granddaddy, you said. Well, that's the, what hope is in our life with the things of God. And we look on the word of God and we say, but God, you said. This is what you said. And we know that not one of his promises has ever failed. He can't fail. His word cannot fail. The Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven. It says that he honors his word above all of his name. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's effective. It's operative. It's energizing. It's active. It produces. The word of God is a living force. And the word of God produces hope in our heart and in our life. Been so many times in my walk with God, 45 years now, 41, almost 42 years of preaching the Word of God. There have been so many times when we've been in a place in our life where it seems like nothing's working, nothing is panning out, nothing is coming to pass. Our back's against the wall. We're at a dead end street, um, have nowhere to turn, seems like things have fallen apart. It's a choice to be made then. Either you're going to hope in God or you're going to throw away what little bit of hope that you have. I'm not talking about wishful thinking here. I'm talking about Bible hope. And that Bible hope that is the confident expectation of what God has promised and in His strength and His faithfulness to see it come to pass. It also said that faith and hope are defined in the dictionary as follows. Now, this is the dictionary. This is not the Bible. It says, Faith is confidence or trust in a person or a thing or a belief that is not based on proof. And hope is the optimistic attitude of mind based on an expectation or desire. Faith that says that it is now. Well, we know what the Bible says. It says now faith is. It says, and hope says that in the future, it could possibly come to pass or happen. We're talking about the forgotten friend in many of our lives, and that friend is hope. We all have friends, friends that uh, we think are close to us. And we go through something in our life. We look around and say, where did they go? Where are they? They've disappeared. There are people that we call friends that are merely acquaintances. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. As I said earlier, what some people call friendship is a dime a dozen. But hope is a friend that is faithful. We can depend on the hope that we have uh, is our hope is in God. I mean, the psalmist said so many times and in the book of Psalms and Proverbs, hope is mentioned countless times. One of the psalms says, why are you downcast, O my soul? 
Why are you disquieted within me? Said, Hope thou in God. Another trans, another scripture in the psalm says, My expectation is from God. There's hope and expectation that comes from God. Years ago, I heard of uh, one of the national preachers preaching on the radio, and he defined hope. He said, it's the confident expectation for something good. And when we have that confident expectation for something good, we have to hold to that. We have to hold fast to that. And when you have that hope on the inside of you, it, it anchors you. I was sharing with a friend last night, just texting back and forth. We were talking about hope. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19, it says, hope is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Hope is an amazing, amazing force in our life. When we lose hope, we lose everything because hope is the bedrock for faith. You cannot have faith without hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's amazing that verse of Scripture, that hope is right in the middle. It's what solidifies faith. It's what anchors your faith, your, your hope, your expectation that something good is going to happen. You might say today, well, how does, how does hope work? And, and as I was praying about this sermon and, and studying a few weeks ago, the Lord just showed me a couple of things in regard to hope. And I think we miss it sometimes because it's so simple. Um, just the, the concept of hope is so simple. Concept of faith is so simple. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, hope is like a seed. A seed possesses the potential to produce. You can put a seed in the ground. You don't have to... Uh, make it grow. It just has a nature to grow. The Bible says every seed produces after its kind. Jesus said, if you have faith as, the, as a grain of a mustard seed, it would produce. And I don't think he's talking so much there about the size of the seed. Many times we see people hold up a mustard seed, which you can barely see. You almost have to have a magnifying glass to, to view it. But I'm not sure he's talking about the, the size of the seed so much as he is talking about the nature of the seed. And he had, Jesus had a lot to say about this, about seeds. In Mark chapter 4, he talked about the parable sowing the word, the parable sowing seed and where it fell on good ground, stony ground, uh, fell on, on the wayside. There are many concepts of seed planting that Jesus went through, but I'm not talking about that today. What I'm talking about today is the seed of hope. Sometimes all it takes is just a little hope to get you through just a seed plant that seed of hope put it to work let it do something in your life like like uh, a seed of a plant you plant tomato seed when you put a tomato seed in the ground in the bucket wherever you plant in the soil you don't go out every day and do something to it you put a little water on it that seed has a nature to grow and the seed of hope in your life has a nature to produce and if you will let it produce it will bring forth some of the most amazing results that you could ever dream of. So it's like a seed. That seed is an amazing thing. It's a working force that on its own can produce results. I always enjoyed hearing Dr. Miles Monroe teach about faith. He would teach about potential, really what he was a potential teacher. And he talked about the potential that it, that lies dormant on the inside of all of us. All of us have something within us that God can use, something that will produce in our life if we will allow it. But it lies dormant so often. We, we have uh, potential just 
in our life that's not accomplishing anything or doing anything because we haven't put it to work. Another thing, faith or hope is like a thread that holds things together. And I was thinking and shared this in my sermon at the church that we can take a big rope, maybe a one inch thick rope like they use on a, on a big boat or, or a ship to, to, to hold that anchor. And you can unravel that rope. It's made up of many fibers, many threads, many pieces of string. Each one of them together is not very strong, but you bind them all together and it becomes a strong rope, a strong cord. Well, each one of those threads is important because each one of those threads has strength. And hope is like a thread that holds things together in our life. I go back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Hope is an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. It will hold you steady. Um, many a miracle has come to fruition after being held together by just one thread. I've heard people say, well, I'm at the end of my rope. Well, if you're at the end of the rope, tie a knot in that thread and hold on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't throw in the towel. Keep holding on. As believers in Christ Jesus, and especially as faith people, we live for the manifestation of hope in our life every day. I love to hear people say, well, I hope so. Too often we've diminished hope. We, we've frowned on it. We've looked on hope at, with a disdain because we look at faith, the awesome force of faith. But you can't have faith without having hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Really what, what hope is, the Spirit of the Lord just gave me this uh, as I was studying. said, hope is your get ready ticket. It prepares the ground for your faith to go to work. We think about the examples in the Bible where Jesus performed some of the most supernatural, extraordinary miracles that man had ever seen, open blind eyes, raised people from, from death, uh, healed crippled arms and legs, uh, gave deaf people their hearing back. Just one thing after another. Peter walked on the water by faith. We look at the miracles that Jesus did. And we see some accounts where he spoke to people and commended them. Great is your faith. But you will never have great faith without a seed of hope. It's impossible. You can't have faith without some dimension of hope in your life. Hope is a powerful, powerful force. And it's that get ready ticket that prepares the ground in your life for the supernatural power of God to work. Well, where does faith, where, where does hope come from? Uh, we know that faith comes from hope because hope is the foundation for faith. But where does hope come from? Hope comes to us through desires. Uh, we can we can develop a seed of hope through a desire. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, "What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them." We could read that to say, "Whatsoever things you hope for when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them." Remember as a young believer having people tell me, don't get your hopes up now. You're going to set yourself up for a letdown. Well, I want you to get your hopes sky high. I want you to have a hope and an expectation for something good coming into your life. You can believe the negative or you can believe the positive. And I'm not talking merely just about positive thinking here, but, but the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
And it tells us, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you renew your mind with hope and expectation that something good is going to happen. Remember working with a uh, man years ago when I was working in forestry, he said, smile, things could be worse. He said, sure enough, I smiled and things got worse. His other motto was everything that can go wrong will go wrong. I think they call it Murphy's Law. But no, don't let that be your mantra for today or for life. Cast that aside and develop a seed of hope in your life that you truly believe that something good is going to come to you. If it doesn't come today, it can come tomorrow. If it doesn't come tomorrow, it can come the next day or next week or next month or a year from now. But you need to hold fast to your hope. So we see that hope comes from desires. It comes from our longings. Hope can come from our needs. Uh, when we have a need in our life that's beyond our ability to, to meet that need, then that need can, can cause hope to spring forth that we hope in God. We hope in the Word of God. Many times hope comes out of necessity when you have nowhere else to turn, when your back's against the wall, when you're at that dead-end street. Uh, you turn to God. We think of the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5 said she had an issue of blood for 12 years, had been to many doctors. Instead of getting better, she had grew worse as she had spent all that she had. And I think that she comes to a place of desperation. And the Word of God says, I used to preach a sermon as an evangelist from that passage of Scripture as a traveling preacher. And, and it was simply four concepts. She heard, she said, she did, and she was. She heard about Jesus and she said in her heart, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be healed. She did that. She pressed the ground, touched him, and she was made whole. Jesus commended her, said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. So sometimes it comes out of necessity. We can see hope coming from desire, from longings, from needs, from necessities. It can come to us through dreams, through visions. But one way hope comes to us and, and too often we miss this. Faith, uh, hope can come to us that will build our faith by hearing the testimony of others. Used to growing up in the church, way back as a little kid in the Pentecostal church, Sunday nights would be testimony times. People would give testimonies of what had happened to them through the week, how God had come through for them, how he had delivered them. Some great act of God had happened in their life or in their family, or on their job, in their business or whatever. And it was testimony time. We don't do much of that anymore. But And I think we miss God. But when we hear the testimony of others, it inspires us to believe. It inspires us to hope. Because if God did it for one person, he can do it for another. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. He doesn't love you any more than he does your neighbor. And we hear a testimony, and that testimony will inspire us to have hope. It will inspire us to have faith. But if you can just let that inspiration of hope come into your life, it'll change everything. It'll take you from down and out to being up and about. So we, we see where it comes from. It comes from desire, from longings, from needs, from necessity, from dreams and visions. And it comes through the testimony of others. But one of the greatest ways for hope to come to you is directly from the Word of God. It's the reason that we do devotionals every day. I have a number of devotionals that I read each day in, in my one-year Bible. And usually without exception, sometimes it becomes monotonous to us to, to read and study the Word. But every morning when I read that, 
It's important because it's feeding my soul. And there are times when I'm reading a scripture or reading a devotional that something will almost jump off the page, as we say, into my heart, into my mind. So it comes from the Word of God. Hope can can uh, spring forth to you as you read the Word. The, the Word of God, the Bible, is like a treasure vault. There's so many things that are hidden in the Word, and you can be reading it, and you can be studying it, and then all of a sudden it's just, bam, as you're reading it, something all of a sudden happens on the inside of you, and hope springs to life. And you see something in the Word, they, oh man, that's for me. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. When she heard, she said, somebody told her something about Jesus because she heard. She heard a testimony of what he had done, how he had healed someone. And I'm sure that she's thinking, well, if God did it for one, he'll do it for another. If Jesus did that for them, he can do it for me. Because after 12 years of suffering an issue of blood, spending all that she had, suffered at the hands of many physicians. Instead of getting better, she got worse. She must have been a wealthy woman, maybe a socialite, what we would have called an aristocrat of her day. To have been able to go to doctors and, and pursue medical treatment for 12 years, she had to have some type of financial means to do that. Because we know even in today's society, uh, medical care is very expensive. But to have something for 12 years that you're having to spend your resources on, and the Bible says she'd spend all that she had, so we know that she's probably come to a place of desperation of, I have no more money to spend, I can't go to any more doctors, I can't pursue any more medical treatment, and then she heard. She heard about Jesus. We don't know who told her. She may have heard it through the grapevine, as we say. Somebody may have been gossiping. Somebody may have been just casting doubt on what Jesus had done. But this woman heard something that inspired her with a seed of hope. And we don't know all of the story behind that uh, woman's situation, but I remember years ago hearing Dr. Fuchsia Pickett say, she said, many times we read things out of the Word, and then there comes a time we have to read things into the Word because the Bible leaves a lot of things unsaid, unseen. doesn't tell us the whole story. But that woman with the issue of blood should have not even been in the crowd that day. She was unclean. And as a woman, she had no right to be in the midst of all of those men that were because in that day and that custom, a woman didn't have a right to do that. But she was so desperate that she pressed through the crowd to touch Jesus' garment because she had already said, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. So necessity drove her to Jesus. Necessity inspired her to have hope. We think about Abraham in the book of Romans, Romans chapter four, verse eight. We know the account of Abraham. He's called the father of faith. And the Bible says in Galatians that we who are born again, we've been saved. We've been we've experienced new birth, that we are blessed with faithful Abraham. But the word says in Romans chapter 18 concerning Abraham, we know that when he was 75 years old, that, that God told him that he was going to have a son. He was going to have seed and his seed would be more numerable than the seashore and his seed would be more numerable than the stars of heaven. Now, if you've been down to the seashore lately in a, a square footage, just a square foot of beach front you don't have the ability or the capacity to count the grains of sand. And that is amazing. And God told Abraham that his seed would be more numerable, plentiful than those. I think we live down in the country, Wakala County, and it's dark where we are. Last night, I was up with one of our 
dogs in the middle of the night, 3.30 in the morning, to let them go outside to the bathroom. I looked up into the starry heavens and thinking, my goodness, what vastness, what a God we serve to put all that in place. And as I looked, you just see the little glistening stars of what we could see with a telescope. You could see much more than that. With the Hubble telescope, they see all of it. I mean, it's so much more than what the human eye can see. But as I was looking at it last night, I was thinking, God put all of that in place. And then he promised Abraham, he said, your seed will be more numerable than the stars of the heaven. And he was 75 when God made that promise to him. And then at the age of 100, and his wife Sarah being 90 years old, the Lord God overshadowed her and she got pregnant to have their son, Abraham, then Isaac. And Isaac became that promised seed. Can you imagine through that 25-year period from the time he was 75 to reaching the age of 100, how many times he thought about what God had promised him, that your your seed will be more numerable than the sand of the seashore and more numerable than the stars of heaven. And yet nothing had happened in that 25 years, except for that one instance where he took Hagar, his wife's handmaiden, to concede for him. But that was out of the plan of God. That was not what God wanted. God wanted it to come through Sarah. But over that 25-year period, can you imagine how many times Abraham pondered, is it going to happen? Will it happen? Can it happen? I'm sure at the age of 100. And then when his wife was 90, he's wondering, can it happen? Is there any possible way for it to happen? But the word of God says in Romans chapter four, verse 18 concerning Abraham, it says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. That scripture is amazing. Who against all hope, I think we could say who against all odds, he believed in hope. It was going to take a supernatural miracle for Sarah to bear a child, to become pregnant and bear a child. And I want to read that if I can in Romans chapter 4 because I think sometimes we overlook things and we don't see exactly what the word's saying. But it says in verse uh, 17, As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. God was calling Abraham the father of nations when he didn't even have a son. Well, there's there's power in that. We sometimes we have to speak to things and call things that be not as though they already are. And it goes on to say, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead at a hundred. When he was almost a hundred, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, she was almost ninety or thereabout, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. The thing that I believe kept Abraham going and kept him inspired was the promise of God. You may be today listening to this program. You've got a child that's in rebellion. That child may be out in the drug world, maybe in the alcohol world, maybe in the sex world. We don't know. Our kids, we do the best we can with them. Then we have to leave it up to God to take care of them. But you may have a child. You may have a spouse that's not serving God, far away from God. You may have an abusive spouse. 
You have to develop a seed of hope in your heart, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what other people say. Sometimes people talk us out of hope. They talk us out of faith. They talk us out of believing God. But you have to have a seed of hope as a desire in your heart and a longing in your heart to see God come through for you to produce in your life that thing that you desire. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. That is hope. It's a seed. You let that come to fruition in your life. And you may be in the place like Abraham was today to just say, but I've been standing so long. I've been I've been trying to believe God. Uh, I've been uh, quoting the word. I've been been standing on the word. You've got to keep on. Don't lose your hope. Don't cast it away. Hebrews chapter 10 says, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And I think too often when things don't materialize quickly, immediately, instantly, suddenly, we have a tendency in our life to cast away our confidence and to give up. So I want to encourage you today, and we'll come back and we'll finish this uh, teaching up in our next broadcast. But I want to encourage you today to keep on keeping on, keep on trusting, keep on believing, keep on hoping. Hope is a friend that will stick with you through thick and thin, that will never leave you and never forsake you. You've been listening to Faith to Live By with Larry Mellinder and James Salter. Larry is the senior pastor of Church 360 in Tallahassee, and you're invited to join them for Sunday services at 9 a.m. and Wednesday services at 6.30 p.m. And find them online at church360.life. James is the senior pastor of Summit Life Church in Crawfordville with Sunday morning prayer at 8 a.m. and worship at 10.30 a.m. And Wednesday Life Group is at 7 p.m. Find them online at summitlifechurch.net. To hear past programs, look up Faith to Live By in your podcast app. And join us every Thursday at 11.30 for Faith to Live By here on Wave 94.